It is so good to be in the moment where we open up the Word of God together. Welcome to those of you connected in the online worship experience. Uh, we're ending a series that we've had through the month of June called, Oh, the Places You'll Go. We've been walking through different physical locations that pop up in the book of Exodus, but knowing that God does something in us spiritually in a holistic way, that it's not just about the physical spot, but it's like, oh, these are places that, we're, that God's gonna take us and we're gonna return to those spots. So, so here's where we've been. Promised land. There's promised land living. God has given you promises. God has given all children of God promises, and God is an amazing promise keeper, and we can bank on those. That should give us great hope. Uh, there are, are, are times where we feel like an outcast, and, and God sees us. God knows us. We go, oh, wait, I've got, I've got blessing for you. I've got plenty. You're, you're included. Even though they're not including you, I'm including you. God definitively speaks that. Last week, we looked at the fact that, that there's a spot where heaven and earth intersect. There's just this dynamic that heaven and earth are so much more intertwined than we ever realized. Surely God is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. I'm, I'm, I'm aware of it now, and, and today, we're going to go into the story of Joseph. It's one of my favorite favorite biblical narratives Genesis 37 to Genesis 50 and we're going to find that when we walk with God it's filled with pits and palaces so we're going to dive into the word in just a moment I want to give uh, have, a, have a little little time out for some Thanksgiving we have had high school students that have just returned from a mission trip way to go give the high school students big hand and that's on the week of you know middle school students and, and leaders coming back but as I, as I kind of do, 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 you know do, do like 125 people from our church family went out to the Buffalo New York and Niagara Falls area I know there's a bevy of them up here up front but but converse speak with any of them find out there's construction projects there's there's feeding projects there's beautification projects there's there's share the gospel kind of work going on and and I just well you look great uh, <laughs> you just look fantastic, and uh, Chandler uh, and Allison were telling me that they're pretty tired, but uh, it, was, it was a wonderful, wonderful week, and I'm sure those of you that have come back on mission from middle school, high school endeavors, you're just, you just can't stop doing dishes and raking, raking leaves, just like I can't turn off. We're always on mission, every, every always, always on mission, but that, that is a, wow, I get to be the pastor of a church that sends people out on mission and, and, and they've got that in their heart. I want to give another word of thanksgiving. It's, it's, it's from my own family, but, but it extends to my church family. On Friday night, our daughter Erin, she is our third of four children, got married. I think you're going to see a little video of a portion of their wedding dance that pops up. And I wanted to, we didn't invite any of you. Uh, as far as that, we didn't, we couldn't afford to invite, invite any of you. Uh, we, we, if, if you were there from our church, you had a wedding job. That, that's like, we had, we had a great wedding because some of you did wedding jobs. Friends, I, I get to raise my children in a church that is family of God. You all allow me to have a church family where, where my son-in-law and my daughter grow to love the Lord God Almighty. And I, I just can't thank you enough. So you didn't come to the wedding, but there you go. You get a little slice of the wedding, wedding dance. And uh, thank you for keeping it easy on our budget that way, uh, all in all. But, but my heart is filled with thanksgiving, and you are an amazing church family. 
We're going to go into Genesis. We're a lot of, you're going to hear a lot of the word of God, and then we're going to hit some selected verses that you'll see. So beginning in chapter 37, hear the word of the Lord. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. That's the promised land. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, it's kind of a note that he's a teenager. He is not necessarily fully mature at this point in time. He does some teenage kind of things, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah, the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And the first thing we learned about Joe is he brings a bad report about them to dad. Now, there's four real distinct movements in the Genesis book. Uh, you get Adam, Noah, right up to Abram, and you, you wind up seeing three genealogical lists of, of, of tens, and that's real significant, but you get, oh, creation to the fall, the flood, that's a significant portion. You get the story of Abraham, and then together you get the story of Abraham's son Isaac and his grandson Jacob. They, they comprise the third movement, and what we wind up seeing is you know, the things that are developed in the first and the second and the third movements continue to happen, and yet they're intensified in what we'll see in the fourth movement in the life of Joseph. Now, I'm going to, so there's one message I really wanted to preach, but I couldn't, we just didn't, we didn't work it in. Uh, I'm going to preach it right now. Uh, it's, it's about Jacob, and he had this moment at Peniel where he wrestled with God. So his name's Jacob. It means deceiver, he grasped. He grasped the heel. He was a twin. He was born second. And he always wanted for things that, that he felt that, that God may bless him with. Well, sure enough, he goes through life, and he's incredibly deceptive, and, and God's yet somehow with him and guiding him, and, and other people deceive him. And he's going to have this moment where he's going to be reconciled to, to his twin brother Esau. The night before, he wrestles with the Lord through the night and actually comes out and his hips kind of wrenched out of sock and he walks with a limp the rest of his days and he said I'm not Jacob says I'm not gonna let you go until you bless me and in that moment part of the blessing was God says I'm gonna change your name you're no longer the deceiver one who grasps you're now Israel Israel and so we get the nation of Israel, the tribes of Israel these are the 12 sons of Israel this Jacob Israel same person and that means Isra means struggles with. L-E-L, -E God. Struggles with God. So basically, so, so here's the crux of the message. Maybe somebody wants to hear this. I find it so incredible in this third movement in Genesis. Jacob's trying to grasp things that God's trying to give him. <laughs> Have you ever felt like that? I, I was like, I go, I want to give it to you and there's a timing and there's a way and Jacob just keeps grabbing it. God goes, I've been trying to give it to you the whole time. And just know that your God is so good. He wants to and desires to give you good things. And yet noted that uh, there's a, uh, when you run into Jacob then, hey, who's, who's, who's Israel over there? Oh, they're a struggler. You know, how'd you like that for a nickname? Or when you, Terry and I talked about that a little bit back in our college days. How's your day going? Struggling. I mean, that's not a sign of a not a real good day going on. Yeah, struggling over here. We, we mentioned that on wedding week. The struggle is real. There were a few struggle is real kind of, kind of moments. When did we get the wedding dress? The day before. Anyway, the struggle was real for that wedding dress. All right. Um, so we hit the fourth movement in the book of Genesis 
it all comes together in the Joseph story. And we see that the things, even you go back to Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel, replayed. The deceptiveness and the manipulativeness and the sibling rivalry from Adam and from Abraham and Isaac, they all get intensified. So there's times we go, oh, I'm not going to be like my parents and I'm going to get my act together. It's like, yeah, you know what? Every generation winds up replaying some of the similar things and you have to go through some of the things that the previous generation did. All right, we got four Genesis themes that we're going to note that pop in. The first is this. So we've been talking about this Genesis theme of partnership with God, or Genesis has been talking about it. I want to just lay the groundwork. Ever since the beginning, God keeps choosing families to say, hey, we're going to partner together. Adam and Eve are the first. Noah and his family are next. We get to Abraham next and, and, and through his line. I want to partner with you. I want to make promises with you. I want you to be my royal image bearers. I want to entrust you and give you people and, and atmospheres to steward, not only so that you will receive them, but so that you can, can receive blessing and it can extend through you. So that's this theme that is taking place. And, and there's all kinds of patterns that, that we're going to see pop up again. So we're going to find ruling. We're going to find blessing. We're going to find partnering with God. Those are all really positive things. But then we see sibling rivalry we see deception we see exile those have happened previously in genesis and they wind up being a really big deal when we hit the life of joseph all right third verse chapter 37 now struggles with god israel loved joseph more than any of his other sons total of 12 because he had been born to him in his old age and he made an ornate robe for him. Yeah, that's not going to mess with the rest of the family, is it? I'm going to give you one really cool robe, and the rest of you got the regular robes. That's not going to mess with anybody's head at all. And, and Joseph is peacocking around going, do I look good in the robe for here? Hey, how about over here? Do I look good? Do I, do I look good in from here? How about, and he probably wore it on really warm days when he didn't need to wear a robe at all. You know, when, when he could have gone with a short sleeve robe, he's still wearing the fancy robe. You know how it goes. You got something that looks good. You're just wearing it as much as possible. That appears to be what Joseph is doing. God gives Joseph dreams. And one of them goes, there's sheaves of grain. He and his brothers are out in the field and they're binding them. And what do you know? the other sheaves of grain of his brothers bowed down to Joe's. And what did Joe do with that information? Hey, brothers, come here. He, he tells his brothers. Now, remember, he's a teenager. He's not fully, you know, what does he get, 25, 26? Sometimes we do some stupid things before our brain fully develops. And we go, thank you, God, that I lived through my teenage years. Thank you, Lord. That was a miracle that I lived through the teenage years. Joseph is doing some like, why are you doing that to your brothers? Why are you poke, poke, poking their button? And, and then it says, they, they hated him all the more because of it. Do you intend to rule over us? Will you actually reign over us? And he goes, well, you know what? Not only did I have that dream, I, I had another dream. The sun and the moon and the 11 stars bowed down to me. And whether he told dad this, whether he told struggles with God this or not, at least the brothers did and, and the brothers hated him all the more because of it again and his father said rebuked him are you actually thinking that you're me and your mom and your brothers are going to bow down to you and it goes I think not it doesn't say that but it's, it infers that so this 
is our first introduction of Joseph. Spilling the dreams, giving a bad report on his brothers, fancy robe. His dad sends Joseph out now to go check on his brothers while they're shepherding. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they, ha, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and they threw him in a pit. Now what they're going to wind up doing is they're going to smear that with goat's blood. They're going to say that he died from some wild animal attack. We didn't see his body anymore. And that is the deceptive sibling rivalry report that goes back to struggles with God. It's going to break his heart. He said, I'm going to go down to the pit. I'm going to go down to the grave with, with, with a broken heart, he declares. Um, he's going to wind up going, and we're going to have share this. The Genesis theme that's popping up is exile experience right now. It's been popping up all over the place. Adam and Eve were exiled out of Eden. Even Cain, they were, they were exiled of the garden in the middle of the land. Even Cain, then, after this murderous murder of, of his brother Abel, is exiled out of Eden. Oh, and by the way, what, what is this crowd doing right here? They're, they're, they're plotting the murder of their brother, just exactly what Cain was doing. They want to, so they thought one of the brothers said, no, 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 let's not, let's, let's throw him in the pit. It's, it's the oldest room, and he's going to try to figure out a way to save him. And Judah, Judah's thinking, let's make some shekels here while he's in the pit. A band of Ishmaelites goes by. That's, that's like cousins of their uncle Ishmael from way back. And they're going to make a profit by taking this Hebrew and they're going to go sell him down in Egypt. He's, he's, he's lost his robe. He's losing his language. He's losing his family. He's losing his identity in this moment. I just want to say, friends, to pause. Have you ever felt exiled? Do you ever feel like, I'm just in the pits? I've lost so much. Um, God brings immense good out of difficult situations. In fact, he is going to raise Joseph up to bring all kinds of other people out of exile experiences. And Joseph now goes to Potiphar's home um, down in Egypt, the captain of the guard. Big, big time position. Oh, by the way, when Joseph was in the pit, God was with him. When Joseph's in Potiphar's home, God was with him. And he's recognized for his abilities. He's got a lot of managerial skills, a lot of, you know, he's overseen, a, at least his dad did. He, he knows how to run a big business. They had a big shepherding business, uh, Jacob and, and the sons did. And he is given charge of the entire household. Well, not only is he a smart young man, he's a, he's a, he's a fine-looking young man. And Mrs. Potiphar takes a shine to him. And Mrs. Potiphar has some wily ways, and she makes some moves on him. And, and Joseph says, there is no way I am jumping into a bedroom with you, Mrs. Potiphar. There is no way in the world that I am doing that. And then she comes up with this story that he tried to take advantage of her and gets Joseph thrown into prison so now okay and there's this whole dynamic of when you go down to Egypt the, 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 the verbiage comes to, so going to Egypt is like going to exile in itself he comes out of a pit he goes to Egypt and now he's in a prison and Joseph actually calls this the pit he's in the pit of the pits 
down in Egypt right now. And God is with him. We have asked, but we're going to ask again. Do you ever feel forgotten? Do you ever feel like you're in a pit? It's, it's, it's how thematically walking with God is going to go. Daniel, in the book of Daniel, it's a whole exile experience moment. Esther, the book of Esther, it's a whole exile experience moment. These, these themes get replayed by the children of God, by the people of God, again and again and again. Now Joseph's in the pit, in prison. He's, they, they see his abilities, he's put in charge of the prison. And now Pharaoh has some servants that are sent to prison. And, and the, the Hebrew word for their role, the, the person who's in charge, it's uh, the captain of baking and the captain of drinking. Those, those sound like great roles. I'm the cap- I don't know if you'd rather be the captain of baking or the captain of drinking, but what do you know? Each of them have two dreams. And I'm thinking that maybe they got thrown in the pit because there was a party, there was a gathering, there was an event, and an people got a bunch of tummy aches or they started wondering if somebody's trying to poison Pharaoh or some officials and they didn't know what it was so they throw them both in prison and now there's going to be an inquiry made and they each get a couple of dreams and Joseph says you know what God can interpret your dreams God will tell me what they are why don't you tell me your dreams now they're each told that they're going to be lifted up but one's going to be lifted up in a really good way the captain of drinking is going to get his job back and the captain of baking He's going to be lifted up, the, the, the drinker, by getting his, getting his job back. The captain of baking, his head's going to be lifted up. It doesn't go well for him at all. That's a bad lifted up kind of, kind of look. But it happens just as Joseph says. And he says to the captain of drinking, hey, when you are restored to your position, remember me. I, I, I'm... I'm, I'm from another place. I'm here in this prison on trumped-up charges. I'm a Hebrew. I've been forgotten. I shouldn't be here. Have you ever felt like, I shouldn't be here? Will somebody remember me? And I find it ironically that the captain of drinking, I forgot all about Joseph in prison. You know, he just goes like, you know, he, he forgot all about Joseph. And I, and I don't know if that's like a, I don't, don't know if I'm using the term like, like a sommelier, you know, the, the fancy drinking, or it's more like the, the, the wellness coach. They're like, hey, we're going to put a bunch of water out by the fields because we're doing soccer practice or whatnot. But the captain of drinking totally forgot about Joseph until Pharaoh had some dreams. I remember a guy in prison. His name's Joe. And the Spirit of God's on him. He can, he can tell dreams. So now the story's going to really flip. Joseph winds up uh, getting a shave, gets a haircut, he, 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 he takes a shower, and, he, and he's going to wind up in Pharaoh's presence. There, there, there's, you ever seen stories, movies, where the, one of the characters, you know, get, 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 gets a haircut, and, you know, things just change, new set of clothes, you know, something's going to happen. So here's Pharaoh's dreams. They're kind of similar. There's, there's sheaves of grain some really healthy ones, and there's some really scrawny ones. There's cattle, seven of them. Seven really healthy ones, seven really scrawny ones. The scrawny critters and the scrawny grain eat the healthy ones, and after they're done eating them, 
they just look as emaciated as ever. They don't plumping up at all. It's like, oh my goodness, that didn't seem to help. And Joseph says, God, God, God will give the answer. And he tells Pharaoh that what this means is there is gonna be seven years of abundance. That's the healthy stuff. But then followed by seven even greater years of famine. And the seven years of famine are gonna be so arduous because we've gotten used to what it means to have abundance. Then he makes a strong suggestion. Hey, Pharaoh, what you ought to do is find somebody who's really wise and smart. Find somebody who's really wise and smart, Pharaoh. And, and, maybe, and maybe, um, maybe, uh, maybe you can ask them to, to, to run things and manage the nation. Maybe they've managed a household. Maybe they've managed a, a prison system. You know, maybe, you know, just, and Pharaoh goes, where are we going to find someone? And he uses a real distinct term that the spirit of Elohim is on. The spirit of the gods are on. The last time that term was used was Genesis chapter one in the creation narrative where the spirit of Elohim hovered above the waters. What, what we are intended to see, what the writers of God's word want us to know is that, hey friends, the plans and purposes that I have for you, where I am placing you, the spirit of God from one generation to the next is supposed to be on you. To Adam and Eve it was, you're supposed to rule and subdue and bring blessing to the earth. Friends, what this means is you might be you might be a software engineer and the spirit of God is on you. You might be in sales and the spirit of God is on you. You might run security and the spirit of God is on you. You might be a custodian. You might be a coach. You might be a contractor and the spirit of God is on you. Where can we find such a person that we can entrust? You know, the spirit of God is intended to be on you and you are supposed to rule and reign in a way that brings heaven to earth in beautiful ways. And God's giving you, I tell you what, if you sense this, God's put a dream in your heart and you go, I know, Pat, I know what you're talking about. I've been, the dream isn't about you getting blessed. The dream is about you having a role that you can be a blessing to all kinds of people. See, as a teenager, Joseph thought the dreams were about people bowing down to him. And sometimes in our spiritual immaturity, we think the dreams are about people bowing down to us when really it's about us being positioned so that we can bless others. And, and hang on to this. We can't be that blessing until we've gone through exile experience. And what we're talking about right here is that we go through what Joseph has happened is a suffering servant motif. That Joseph has suffered. Thus God has positioned him to be able to serve in this way. Now, when we hear suffering servant, we think Jesus Christ, don't we? we? And we should. This is a foreshadowing to what Jesus does. But even back in the garden, in Genesis chapter three, speaking of Jesus Christ, but we're gonna see in a little way, this, this is like what happens with Joseph. It says, God says to a woman that the enemy will strike the heel of the, of the one who will crush the head of the devil. Right now, what is happening through Joseph's experiences, he's being bit, he's being struck in the heel. He's going through suffering moments and he's gonna be conquering uh, the enemy by being exalted to a glorious role that God is going to use him for. We get to live into that. So, 
hang on for this little bit here. Now, Joseph, it seems, oops, 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 I want to get into this. So they pick Joe. They go, all right, Joe, the Spirit of God is on you. You're the man. You're, you're, you're the guy for this. And Pharaoh takes his signet ring, puts it on Joseph's finger, dresses him in his robes. What, now, when was the last time Joseph had a robe? His dad gave it to him. Got it stripped off. He's getting a robe back. Puts a gold chain around his neck. People are going to run before him and go, make way for the one who's in charge of Egypt. Whoa! He's, he's running around like he's the image of Pharaoh. He's really doing exactly what God wants him to do. He's bearing the image of God into the place where God put him. That's what we're called to do, child of God. It seems like Joseph is living the dream. People are bowing down to him, but it's not about people bowing down to him. He's making sure people are being cared for and provided. And the story isn't over because you know what? We got those brothers back in Canaan land. And you know, they're a piece of work. And God isn't done working on them yet either. This story isn't done yet because we're going to see what God does in their lives. Now, they're going to go into exile as well because they experienced the famine in their land. Now, they're going to go down to Egypt looking to buy food. And lo and behold, they come right before Joseph. They don't recognize him. A couple of decades have gone by since the last time that they have seen him. And now... Joseph is going to pull a, manipula uh, a manipulative deception, not, not to lie and navigate and deceive them so much, but he's going to put them through a test. It's like the test at the garden. It's like the test that Abraham faced with his son Isaac. He is going to test them to see what they're made of. And he, he lets them buy a grain, but he gives them all their money back. And then he says, you know what? You're a bunch of spies. And he takes one of this brothers, Simeon, throws him in jail and says, you know what? This brother is not returning back with you until you bring, you bring Benjamin, that, that's his full-on brother, back, the other favorite son, and he, he's recreating. You're loaded with money. You lost a brother to the pit. What you gonna do about that? And they go back, and they have a conversation with struggles with God who says he doesn't wanna lose his new favorite son, Benjamin. And, and eventually Judah says, Dad, Dad, we're got, we got to go back down there. We're all going to die. We got to go get Simeon back. There's food down there, and we've got to take Benjamin. Dad, if it goes sideways, I'll give my life for him. This is, this is now Joseph is going to see this a little later. This is a different kind of scenario. Judah's the one who wanted to get the shekels and, and sold them to the Ishmaelites, so they go down. There's a big feast that's given for the brothers. Everybody gets plenty to eat. Benjamin gets five times more. What's Joseph doing? He's activating the jealousy button right now. You know, it's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna treat this one with special favor and just, just see if I can't poke at your jealous button. And then he sends them on their way with grain and he tucks his special silver cup into Benjamin's bag. And then he sends the army after him and says, thieves! This one's going to jail and you're never going to see him again. Are you going to do the same thing that you've done before? Just like get rid of the favored brothers so you can go on your merry way. And the brothers and Judah specifically goes, I will give my life. Joseph just can't. He breaks down. He reveals who he is. He sees, friends, 
What has God done in your life? What is God doing in your life right now that you are not the same person that you were a couple of years ago? God gives you opportunity to be changed and to be transformed. And, and, and not only, yes, we repeat seasons and chapters of life, but we do so in such ways that we don't always repeat the mistakes that we've done in the past because you are a piece of work. You are God's art prize. And you are intended to live as the image of God in the settings where God places you. And then Joseph's gonna speak these words. Don't be afraid. You know, am I in the place of God? What, what you did, you intended for evil? But God intended it to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And he reassured them, and he spoke kindly to them. And then this fourth theme in Genesis, the, the words that appear more often than anything else are blessing and generations. That God wants to bless, and God wants to do it from one generation to the next. And God wants to keep it rolling. God wants to keep the story going. And so I, I just say, friends, are you partnering with God? Have you experienced exile? Have you experienced some kind of suffering servant? God is preparing you for something. Uh, some of you today, uh, the word is this, that this is your day you get to say yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's what God wants you to do right now. No more playing games with God. That Jesus, you died on the cross for my sins, forgive me. I want to follow you. Today's your day that you declare that. Well, I want to conclude with us making a cake together. Does this sound good? I think this exemplifies the Joseph story so well. There's all kinds of ingredients that get poured into our lives. And some of them are really sweet, and some of them are kind of yucky. Like, if you were to take flour, which is a big base of what goes into a cake, we're using precision measurements, by the way, you know? If you were to eat that, whoo, you know, it's kind of, eh, kind of bland. Ooh, and some baking soda. Baking soda is not good to the taste, but you need a little bit of that. You need a little bit of that to go in there. But that's horrible to taste. What you want to taste is some sugar. That's what you want to taste. You want to taste the sugar, and you put that in. And we're going to make a chocolate cake. We like chocolate, so we're going to put some cuckoo in there. There we go. And you need to moisten it up with, we got some, I got to shake a shake of the milk here. We got to shake that up. We're going to put some milk in here. There we go. It's fancy milk, so it doesn't look like milk to me. It's a, uh, what do we got here? Like, oh, macadamia milk. That's what we've got. <laughs> Woohoo! Fancy us. This is, oh, that's baking powder. Oh, I put, I put baking powder and baking soda. Is there a difference? <laughs> Good. We better put this in too. Excellent. Excellent. We put some oil in. And, and there's all kinds of, oh, more? Okay. Um, there's all kinds of things that go into our life that are bland, that are distasteful. Sometimes there's just a, you know, a few things that go in and you're going to put some eggs in there. Ah, we're just going to put some eggs in. They cook out. They cook out. Vanilla. We like the vanilla. Lots of vanilla. So, so art prize. God takes some really yucky stuff. Oh, and some delicious stuff too. Where is that? Oh, frosting. There we go. 
some frosting. We'll put that in. Some frosting. And God mixes this all together. And we're not the chef. Sometimes we like to be. And then uh, God heats this up. And God makes, God makes beautiful things. You might think it looks like this. God's doing this. God loves you so much. I invite you to stand at this time. And in so doing, uh, how many of you, uh, how many feel like you might be experiencing some kind of exile? Can you just raise your hand? Just go, go ahead and raise your hand. Other people might be looking. It's all right. Just, just there's exile. Go ahead and raise your hand. It feels like this. How many of you sense that there's a dream that God has that looks beautiful? Can you raise your hand? Yeah. There are dreams that God is at work in our midst that God wants to fulfill in you. Lord God, I thank you for those that have gathered today. Lord God, I thank you for the fact that you carry on and complete a good work. We give ourselves to you right now. We give you hopes and we give you dreams and we give you times where we are suffering, where we are in the pit. And Lord, we trust that you're gonna meet us there. God, you are so good. Lord, for the things in our past that we need to rectify and in the next season and chapter, we need to live a different story. We trust that you're gonna help us to do that. Lord, for those today that are saying yes to you to be children of God, forgive me of my sins. I wanna follow you. We, we praise, we praise your name for the good work that you do. Lord, may we bear your image and bring Christ into all kinds of settings, into every place that you put us. Thank you for the dreams. We can't wait to live into your story. In your name, and all God's people would say, Amen.